Welcome back to the Exposure Ninja podcast extra with myself, Jess Percival, and the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm very good, thanks, Jess. Pleased to see you in your Exposure Ninja merch. Yes, yes, from the summer party that we had the end of last week. A very, very fun, lots of laughs, just a great, a great day all round. Very, very much enjoyed it. I've been trying to explain how funny it was to other people and it's really difficult to describe it, but I've I haven't laughed that hard in over a year, I'd say. Maybe maybe multiple years. That's that's definitely that's definitely a good review. Maybe it's one of those you had to be there moment. Um I think so. <laughs> but look at this just. I know I saw. How sweet is that? How adorable. A tiny this little is... Nobi. The first custom-made Shinobi. For those who are listening, we have a Shinobi uh, plushie, which is one of the most demanded items inside Explosion Ninja. And we finally have one. They're individually handmade, so they cost more than gold, but they exist. <laughs> yeah, I was very excited to see that in our our group chat. But before we get carried away just talking about our fun party and our plushies and all these different things, Let's dive straight into our first news item of the week, which is that Google search will be showing less FAQ and how to rich results, basically less often. They're not going to be showing it as much. Um, Tim, what do you know about this? What What is the reason behind these changes? Do you have any idea? Oh, what's the reason? I don't know. Well, well this, there's two ways of looking at this, right? Every time Google gives us SEOs a tool, like being able through schema markup to influence how our sites are displayed in search results. We SEOs ride it as hard as we possibly can. Some of us exploit it. This damages the experience for users of search and then eventually Google takes it away. So back in the early days, just before Exposure Ninja, there was a little hack that you could do with review schema in search, similar to how people have been using FAQ schema where you could just add a plugin to your WordPress site with user reviews. You could then type in your own review of the business, give it five stars if you are feeling particularly generous. And within a few days, you would then have in your search results, you would have a review schema showing up in the search results for your business, five stars with whatever you wanted. And this was a great hack. It really influenced click-through rate. It was a fantastic way of getting visibility. And of course, naturally before long, Google took it away or they replaced it. They said you can only have a markup with third-party review sites. You can't just write your own reviews. That's not legit. And it feels like we've got a bit of a similar thing here where FAQ schema is only three years, no, I think three or four years old. So we've gone from new feature to spam to oblivion and taken away from us in a, a relatively short period of time. But it basically allowed you to add marked ups uh, FAQs to your page and then sometimes your site would show up with like little FAQ accordions underneath, a bit like people also asked in Google search. And it meant that you could take up more space in the search results. And Google's announcement is that they're going to stop showing this uh, on mobile, at least. It's going to be there on desktop for the time being. Um, and some SEOs are really upset because this was a good source of impressions for them. Um, but... You know, the the cynics are saying, well, Google doesn't want you to, Google doesn't want users to go to FAQs in search results. They want people to use generative AI. They want people to use 
search generative experience for this. Um, so there's a bit of a sort of uh, brewing resentment there from the SEO community towards Google and SGE for trying to steal our clicks. So we don't know what the reason is, but I think, to be honest, it's going to have a fairly minimal impact and its days were numbered anyway, if, I think, if we're really honest with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So I would say it's one of those things that seems to be hitting the news, but might not be as scary as it feels unless you are a person who, you know, or a company that definitely makes a lot of use of that feature. So I would say don't panic too much. But if you've seen that headline like I did, you might be like, whoa, this sounds like big news. Turns out it's actually fairly not. So don't worry too much. Um, I mean, it, look, just to be clear, like it is a little bit counterintuitive because the how-to results were pretty cool in some cases. So on mobile, let's say that you were, I don't know, you were searching for like how to bake a cake or whatever. Sometimes you get like a little scrollable carousel of steps that you could take um, to, to do whatever thing. And that's going and... And, and a bit like FAQs, I think there were times when these were really useful. So I think that's why maybe people are a little bit more cynical and why maybe it's a bit more newsworthy than some of the other things which are only used for exploitative reasons. It does feel like Google is taking away a feature that could sometimes be useful to people. But yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. So there's not actually any point complaining. You don't need to make any changes to your site. You don't need to remove the schema because it's still going to be useful on desktop anyway. So Let's just focus on how to get more ranking and how to get more traffic overall. Yeah, it's just important for you to know if you get a lot of your traffic or a lot of impressions from the FAQs and the how-tos and then you're like, what has happened? Why am I seeing huge drops? It's just a good way, good thing to know about ahead of time. Yes. Yes. Speaking of AI making changes to our favorite platforms, TikTok has added new required labels for AI-generated content. Now, this is somewhat important to marketers because it means that if you are relying on AI generated content for let's say your videos or your ads then it could get labeled as being AI generated and we expect as with like you know when things are labeled as ads on Google some people skip them because they're like oh no an ad whereas if they are like really good solid ads then it's it's no problem but if you're using AI to make like very very bog standard tiktok videos people are going to see that ai label and be like oh not sure how i feel about this brand not sure if i can necessarily trust their their content if it's just like yeah. you're literally putting your information into the ai and the ai is just producing really naff videos but there's more questions really about how they could actually enforce this right tim because there's like already tools out there that are supposed to be able to tell if something's AI or not and they don't work that well and also what's kind of funny is TikTok itself has a lot of AI tools they have AI tools for their own ads um will those ads be labeled as ads and as AI um you know there's all sorts of kind of questions about this and whether whether they're almost just saying we're doing this but Will it be self-policing? Will AI, Will TikTok be policing it? Like, how will this even work, really? Yeah. I mean, the, the announcement's pretty broad in general, isn't it? I think there was like a, someone posted a thing that said, you know, you know you're going to need to tag your posts as AI to avoid account violations or, you know, something like that. And people are scared of having their TikTok accounts banned anyway. So that may work. Interestingly, uh, TikTok's, sort of Chinese equivalent Doyen um, implemented some stuff like this earlier in the year. So I think 
we can look to that to see how TikTok might approach this because that seems to be how they work. They'll roll things out in China and then they'll bring a version of it over um, to the West. So Doyen's guidelines were a bit more clear. They said AI uh, that depicted real figures wasn't allowed. That What they don't want is the public to be misled about political or financial issues. And obviously, you know, that type of governance is a bit more strict in China. So they have to have these things in place. But, you know, what you don't want is any social network to be full of misinformation and particularly around elections, AI figures appearing to say things which could move news headlines or move markets. We saw an example on Twitter um, earlier on in this year. I think there's a there's a bigger question, which is how all of the social channels are going to adapt to a world where AI generated misinformation is like ubiquitous and relentless. And as users, we also need to adapt. We need to evolve very quickly to not trust everything that we see. And that's going to be easier for some of us who are involved in AI and use these tools than it is for people who don't really know the capabilities of these tools and who, you know, who have grown up just trusting everything that they see, and they don't realize what sort of implementation is possible. So I think this has potentially massive implications for marketers and advertisers, if we move to a world where, you know, I think it might be that what happens is a few uh, high profile cases happen where some generative AI type content has gone viral, it's made some sort of big real world impact it's caused the big news hoo-ha you know the mainstream media are reporting on something that didn't even happen there's a big sort of media blow up and from there we're all a little bit scarred like oh what can we trust and i think it's interesting to see the social networks trying to sort of position themselves ready for this to happen i don't know how they're going to do it because like you said the tools can't detect what's ai or not open ai just shut down their own ai detector tool which i think got it right less than half the time anyway, detecting whether it, the content was produced by its own tools. So, you know, it's, it's a real stab in the dark and we're in the early stages of this, but it feels like we're moving into a new era here. And the, the, this is just the first attempt to try and deal with it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say as another warning for marketers, if you were considering maybe using AI to, let's say, have celebrities endorse your products, even if it was tongue in cheek and it was meant to be obviously AI and it was kind of a joke, you could still potentially have that content taken down. Even if it's labeled as AI, they might still be like, oh, you're, you're saying something that these people didn't actually say to promote your product. Even if it is meant to be satire, um, it still could get taken down. So I would say just be, be wary really of anything using the image of anyone that hasn't actually given permission. That would be that would yeah that's a that's a big deal right on to maybe my favorite story of the week which ironically i always pretend that i hate the duolingo tiktok account i actually really don't i love it i think it's fantastic um but it's a nice fun little ongoing ongoing joke now so we'll we'll let it happen but um duolingo has had a massive q2 growth in the second quarter of the year they've really seen a lot of they've seen a big big increase in revenue users the whole lot and it's really said that it they feel like it's been the marketing that's done it particularly social media and if you've been on Duolingo's TikTok or on their Twitter they've taken on this very kind of sassy really pushing the line approach where they essentially they get the Duolingo mascot costume 
and make it do all sorts of strange things, whether that's tormenting people in the office, running around, dressing up in Barbie outfits, dressing up in like swimsuits, hitting on Dua Lipa, who they have a joke because Dua Lipa and Dua Lingo sound similar. Um, they swear, they jump on trends that other brands would not even remotely consider jumping on for fear of brand safety. And it feels like they found, I wouldn't necessarily even say they found the balance because there's no balance here, but I would just say that they've been very lucky in that their audience has really responded well to this wild content. Like to begin with, it really, it it did, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, but over time I've become really fond of it. Actually before this, this podcast recording, when I was checking over the research, I spent quite a lot of time on the Duolingo TikTok, you know, I got quite, quite deep into it. Um, Tim, you're not really into the TikTok world or at least the weird side of TikTok that I'm on. So I would love to know what you <laughs> think of this um, from kind of your, your perspective, really. Well, I think if you have a look at Duolingo's TikTok, I think they even said in the, in the interview that we're, we're sort of referencing here, someone mentioned it as unhinged. I think yes. their, mark, their CMO said unhinged. For me, the most impressive thing about all of this is the bravery. To have a half a billion dollar revenue company posting the sort of stuff that Duolingo posts on TikTok, you know, I think the first time I really was shocked, there was one video, well, one TikTok where the owl thing was swimming and there was some implication that the owl wanted to swim in Dua Lipa's Wii. And <laughs> God, this yeah, was I remember that one. Of, this was some sort of kink and you know that is not typical of a half a billion dollar company or a language learning app strategy yeah that's not going up in front of the board is it that's like like we've got this idea like we think that you know we jokes are going to be in so someone somewhere a bit like Ryanair has said this is totally you have total freedom you can just go and do whatever you want and it's worked really well uh, and I think a bit like Ryanair it's the sort of thing that wouldn't necessarily get through a more traditional marketing approach. So on the one hand, you look at this and think, okay, well, they've been super lucky and they found an angle that really works with TikTok. And now it's turning into real world business growth. And on the other hand, I think someone is being incredibly bold here because the complaints must be mad. The complaints and staff must be uncomfortable. You know, if the boss's wife sees it and she's like, I don't think we should be making jokes about this person's we, like Dua Lipa's team might be having an issue. And Duolingo is like, no, we're freaking, we're doing the we, like we're, we're, we're going hard on the we, like respect for that because we wouldn't sign it off and we're pretty like, yeah, we don't mind, but we wouldn't sign that off. So I think it's almost one of those where I'm not even sure it translates to most businesses because in the real world, no one's going to be that brave to do it. And therefore, no one's going to get those sorts of results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen the other side of it. I've seen how it can go wrong. Um, there is a ice hockey team in America who were basically, I'm going to say a lot of words that Tim's really going to be like, what are you talking about? Um, so there's an ice hockey team in America who were... The poster boys, I suppose you could say, for a side of TikTok called BookTok, which is a subculture of TikTok where people are obsessed with reading. But this was very specifically 
hockey romance book and this team had kind of become the poster children for the, for this for this type of romance because i think a lot of the players were attractive kind of the age of the characters in the books maybe looked like them and they decided to lean into it a little bit they collaborated with an influencer who had kind of done a lot of content about the team um they invited her to a game they gave her a jersey it said book talk on the back and she made some videos where she was commenting on the stretches they do on the ice and sort of objectifying them a lot um almost forgetting that they're like real people and they're not people that were in the book and then the the person that she was talking about as you said maybe the maybe the wife of the the owner might make a comment his wife actually posted on instagram that she felt hugely uncomfortable with this she didn't want to see people talking about her husband anymore and then he came out and pretty much said the same thing and then this hockey team just deleted every reference they'd made to book talk and this influence and they'd been making the same kind of edits that the book talk people have been making yeah. of their own players and then they just completely backpedaled and i think a lot of people who are into that team because of that connection are then going to feel very slighted by this. And I'm not saying that the team, the team have every right to, to make this decision, but it definitely feels like it wasn't, it wasn't as well thought out as it, as it should have been really. Um, and I think Duolingo have obviously found that like they don't really show real people in their videos. Right. And I think that's kind of how they found that balance. They use mascots. They don't necessarily call out individual staff or people. And I think that is is something you've definitely got to think about. It's like with Ryanair, they have plain face. They don't actually have a member of social media staff as the face of their company. So I definitely think if you want to take this more unhinged approach or you want to test out these new things, almost do it in a faceless way, whether that's using the yeah. face filter. I think the Empire State Building do it now as well in America. They I've seen their, them pop up and they use the face thing. And I think a lot of businesses are using that to do this more unhinged content because it it gets them could potentially get them in less trouble. Uh, but I just wanted to share that opposing experience to what Duolingo have had because I think yeah, it is like Tim said, it's very very bold and brave, and yeah, it's it's a delicate line to tread, very very delicate. It's like fishing line <laughs> as a tightrope, you know. You have to be very yeah. careful. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see, but maybe we should try and get someone from Duolingo on to talk about what it go, what goes on behind the scenes, because you know, knowing what, knowing the process we have to go through to get blog content signed off for clients. Yeah, I mean, this is stuff that's been written in their tone of voice, the information that they've shared, like, and you know, we can go through weeks and weeks of approvals. So, yeah there's something about this which is just intriguing and sort of it implies a new era of marketing where you can have a little safe zone to do whatever you like and experiment and find that weird angle that resonates with a new audience um, yeah yeah exactly Fascinating. exactly our final topic of the day is that SimilarWeb has reported that threads the new social media app microblogging app whatever you want to call it twitter clone <laughs> from meta is its active usage is down 79% from when it kind of peaked sort of in those initial couple of weeks. Um, just to make it clear, this is based on Android data. It's not official meta stats. So it's not what they've reported, but I also don't necessarily think they would be reporting that they've had a 79% drop. 
um yeah they've gone down from 50 million users to 10 million users in just a month but it seems like things are steady and those 10 million users are still using the app although that said average time has gone from 14 minutes to three minutes and is falling even more so i don't know if you you've used threads much at all i've definitely found i really like the initial hype and really like the initial idea but it's my i just want to be able to find a community on there i want to connect with new people and it's currently impossible because they don't have that search feature like i'm part of like a few fandoms a few subcultures and recently wanted to make a new account to like connect with people and i actually ended up making an account on x slash twitter um because I just needed that that search and those recommendations. And now my feed is full of exactly the fandom content that I wanted, right? But with threads, I can't have that same experience because I can't search for anything. So I think that's a huge draw of, I'm just going to call it Twitter for now, but of Twitter is that you can find those communities, search, find these people, find out what's trending within your communities. Whereas with threads it's just the same people that you're already connecting with on instagram so i understand why it's drops and i think once they've got that search in and once they've got that recommended for you stuff in it's going to be significantly better i'd love to know your thoughts on this tim well i can't help thinking about clubhouse do you remember clubhouse and all of a sudden clubhouse came out and you could just drop into these rooms and it was so exciting it was so fresh I remember, I think it was in lockdown, I remember just like having Clubhouse on in the background while I'm doing stuff and, you know, my podcast listening went down, audiobooks listening went down because Clubhouse was the thing. And then you get all of the crew who come in and they're like, right, let's get some organic reach. And you get these sort of strategic early social networking users that come in and try and establish themselves. And they're so active, they you know they proliferate so uh, so much that the overall quality drops and once you're not in a room with like oh the novelty of like Elon Musk being in a th- uh, in a clubhouse room war and then you just get a bunch of people who are trying to you know teach you how to get rich quick or teach you how to invest in property or they're just trying to build their audience they're on the grab and it makes the whole thing like Ugh. and i don't know if my threads account is typical but when I go in threads now, all I'm getting is people who are trying to get attention. They're trying to build their profile. And that's like all that's in there. So you don't go in because when you go on Twitter, you get people. Of course, you've got like the thread boys and all this stuff. But you actually get interesting stuff going on because people have you know, it's a more mature platform. You have high profile people posting. So I don't know if there's a thing where a new social channel has to survive the early days of people trying to take advantage of the organic reach and then get to some sort of maturity where there's enough good quality content as well. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, for me, I, I don't see the benefit of threads over X Twitter at, at all. Uh, and I don't see why anybody would port their profile and their activity over from Twitter, particularly if they have good visibility. So that means that the highest profile people potentially aren't that incentivized to post on a second channel. No, I'm definitely feeling the same thing, but then I haven't used it in so long that I don't really like have an opinion. I can't really say, oh, this is what's been on my on my feed because there's not really been anything because um, I just haven't been using it. But what was interesting is I did notice like the account that I made 
for X. I tried to follow some people that I'd connected with previously in the same sort of space. And a lot of them had shut down their accounts and moved to different places. Um, right. And so I think they are looking for those places and they are looking for that experience. But I think it's just waiting for that experience to match what Twitter offers. We've had a yeah. comment from Dale saying, speaking as a daily active user of threads, what I love about threads is that it's a happy place for now. And I definitely understand that. I'm definitely having a much more pleasant experience on X now that I've like almost niched down. Like I would like to have an X account for every single different fandom that I'm in because it kind of helps keep things tidy. And I find on my like personal account, that seems to be where I see a lot of the things I don't want to see and that kind of make me feel a bit more like meh. Um, but yeah, I definitely have found threads to be very, very positive. People being very friendly. There's just, like I said, I just have that desire to be able to search for what I'm into at any given time, which can change weekly. And I just don't really have that possibility with threads. I have to go on Instagram, do the search there, follow people and then find them. It's just, just not practical at all. Just to play the counter argument then, I'm wondering, you know, th if threads is a happy place and it's all positive. That's cool, but there have been various attempts over the years of building like a news organization, for example, that just focuses on the positive. And it turns out we humans are pretty sick and we want the negative and we want the death and we want, you know, I look at the stuff that Kate watches on TV and it's basically just women ripping each other apart and like, right, let's, you know, in various formats, right? It's people getting heartbroken. It's people ripping into each other. It's like, you know. And I wonder if there's part of that that people... Is that driving the engagement in something like Twitter or X if there is more negativity? It's, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Um, I'll be interesting to... Like, a lot of people have said once they add those Twitter features, like search and like potentially like trending is that when things start going downhill because then people are getting exposed to trending topics that they wouldn't normally have engaged with you know like it's it's very very challenging it's yeah it's interesting to see a platform like this where you know there's money behind it and you know it has great potential for success just seeing how it might evolve over time is very very interesting yes it, i mean if threads doesn't succeed and if they end up having to shut it down. Zuck is, he's taken some serious L's, right? He's got the metaverse on its knees, Facebook, Instagram, potentially losing, you know, users to, to stuff like TikTok. If threads doesn't work, like how much of a, how much punishment can one guy take? Where do they go from there? What do they do next? What's the next play? AI? They're trying to position themselves as AI company now. That that dude is resilient, but yeah, they, they need a win. He needs a win. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like I said. It's going to be really interesting to see. I wonder if they're trying to build blocks one at a time to see what works, and then if they add something and think, oh, actually, now we've added trending that's creating for a really toxic environment. We're going to take that away and replace it with discovery. You know, I wonder if they're just trying to test the waters and see what the users actually want, rather than just giving them what they think. They um, so I think it could be maybe a slow burn for them, but then TikTok was a very slow burn. Um, you know, they did their massive rebrand from Musical.ly to TikTok, which really boosted the profile. And then really the pandemic was very helpful <laughs> for TikTok 
um, and got it a lot of views. So it's just sometimes it's a slow burn. And I think our expectations have been inflated by the mass adoption that Threads had to start with. So I'm still feeling positive about it. I have no no issues with it. I'm just waiting for a few more few more little features, and then I'll probably be probably move from there from Twitter over to Threads. Not dead yet, then. We're no. saying not dead yet. No, this thing. No, it's lying um, away. It's just getting yeah. ready. It's in hibernation, and then eventually it'll really it'll really kick off. I think. Love it. And when it does, the ad tools are going to be great. So can't wait to get stuck in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's everything we have for today. I hope everybody enjoyed watching. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit like and subscribe on this video if you are watching live or if you're watching the replay or hit follow on your podcast platforms if you're listening. And of course, as always, you can request a marketing review at ExposureNinja.com slash review. We'll review your marketing and your website. Yes, the link is above if you are watching video or if not it will be in the podcast notes down below anything else you want to add tim no no fab see everyone next week bye bye Ron.